0: The Supreme Court takes on an abortion issue. Robin interviews Unitarian Universalist Minister Dawn Fortune. Be sure to listen all the way to the end for a hilarious outtake. All this and more on the left Game.
1: you're listening to the leftscape the shape of progressive conversation and hi I'm Robin Renee hi I'm Wendy Sheridan and uh
0: Robin was uh telling me she wanted to update our theme music and she's got she's very excited about this new theme music she wants to play for us so we're gonna check it out for the first time right now
2: yes uh, okay here I'm a little nervous but I think it's pretty cool so here it goes
1: What are you doing? does that come with a glitter ball
2: <laughs> no actually i think we like our theme song it's just that it's rick ashley's birthday today <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and we're really silly <laughs>
0: yeah and i haven't been rolled in years so i guess i was too <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh man, okay. So yeah, happy birthday to Rick Astley, <laughs> and it's also um, the birthdays of Bob Marley and Nick, Natalie Cole today. So it's good oh, to remember them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we also want to say, you know, it was uh, also James Dean's birthday on the eighth of February. He's probably the reason I started smoking. He was cool, but that wasn't a, <laughs> that wasn't a good decision. <laughs> I do not smoke anymore. That was a long time ago. Um, also, Thomas Edison's birthday is on the 11th, and on the 12th is Charles Darwin. So
1: lots of um, historical people to yeah. remember. Um, well, as far as days and weeks and months go, um, on the 7th is National Periodic Table Day.
0: That's I like that.
1: Do, I can have... you sing the song? Uh, I love the element. <laughs>
0: Yes, I can, but I need the lyrics now. Uh, it's been, uh. I actually performed that song several times, the Tom Lehrer Elements song, mm-hmm. which, is, uh, which is a list of all of the elements, not in any particular order. Oh, so it's not to, really
1: the periodic table.
0: It is. It's done. it is in order, isn't it? It's No. no. Okay. Um, and maybe it's alpha. I don't think it's alphabetical order either, but it could be, but I don't think so. Um, but it's done to the tune of modern major general from mm-hmm.
1: uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, thank you. I'm blanking. Yeah. Maybe um, one of our listeners can, uh, can chime in and sing that. it for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also on the 10th to the 16th is International Flirting Week. Oh, that's flirt. Mm. Does, that, does that mean you're flirting with somebody in another country? Is that <laughs> yes, I believe so. <laughs> that would or work maybe I flirting is that just challenge. going on all around the world
0: so uh something came across my um my feed this morning uh about um uh, the abortion issue is hitting the supreme court this week uh, or the, the last week, the, the week we're recording it, the Supreme Court is, is, has been uh, asked to take a look at um, a Louisiana law uh, that, uh, that's being challenged uh, because it's, uh, it requires physicians who, are, who perform abortions in the state to have active admitting privileges. And if this law goes through, that means there's only going to be one doctor in the entire state of Louisiana who is able to perform abortions. And
1: um, well, and how, how does that? What do you mean by that, though? That doctors cannot apply. They're saying doctors have to apply, but they can't apply. No, they have to have admitting privileges in a hospital.
0: And no doctors have admitting privileges. Just one. One abortion doctor has admitting privileges. They have been. They have been slowly chipping away at at the ability of abortion clinics to remain open, uh, through having various, you know, they're, they're doing like weird rules, like the, like the aisles have to be wide enough to accommodate a gurney or other, other things that are barriers to, um, to, to getting this stuff done. And this is the latest one in Louisiana. And, um, it says, uh, the, the, Louisiana itself had described the admitting privileges requirement as identical to the one struck down in Texas in um, 2016. And a federal district court declared the law unconstitutional reasoning that the requirement does little or nothing for women's health, but would cripple women's ability to have an abortion. And in September of last year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit reversed the decision and 10 days ago, the full Fifth Circuit rejected the challenger's request to rehear the case. Um, And the challengers have now gone to the Supreme Court um, and it says the challenges request will go to first, first go to Justice Alito, who now handles emergency appeals from the geographic area that includes Louisiana. Alito can act on the request himself, although he is more likely to refer it to the full court. Uh, this first step, however, will probably be to call for a response to the challenger's request from Louisiana. So this is a, um, I guess, an evolving story, and it's, it's, they haven't made any decisions yet. But what's concerning is um, when the, a similar or almost identical law was struck down in Texas in 2016, that happened because uh, Justice Kennedy sided with the liberal justices and he's no longer on the court. So it's, uh, it's going to be a nail biter, I think.
1: Oh. Uh, and that the, you were reading from was the SCOTUS blog. Yes. And I was reading it. Yes. Wrote, written it.
0: Yes. 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 Anyhow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I like SCOTUS blog quite a bit cause they, they talk, you know, they explain everything in, in uh, layman's terms so you can understand what's going on. Um, and uh, this has been, you know, the thing that we've all been, you know, afraid of when they, you know, when, when uh, the current administration got two justices onto the court. Um, and at least on, you know, if they if they do... If Roe v Wade gets overturned, um, which this is not going to do, but it's, uh, it's a, uh, it's I guess kind of I, a step, it's a, step. It it's a it chink step. in the, in the armor or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, so, but if Roe v Wade does get overturned, I believe then the option to, um, perform, have a, having a, you know, to b- perform abortions will still be legal in states where it's legal at the state level, um, which, you know, New Jersey is one of them. And there's, a, I think, 23 states, maybe. I, I don't know. I'll, it's not going to talk about stuff I don't know about. But there are <clears throat> a number of states where abortions are going to still be legal. And as always, people with money will always be able to terminate a pregnancy. Uh, this is always, this is just going to affect, you know,
2: poor people. And, um, (sighs) it's, it's, it's hard to, I can't, you know, envision a world where this will could be the case. I mean, I I can see it as a possibility, but I've spent my whole childhood and adult life where we all had this right and knew it. So it's a, it's a frightening. Yeah. I, I have not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh,
0: you know, my mother, my mother took a trip to my aunt's mm-hmm. when I was maybe twelve, something ten, somewhere in between ten and twelve years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, what really, and that's what that was the story they told us at the time. And then when uh, when I was having um, an abortion when I was seventeen, um, my mom shared with me that that trip was actually. To go to new york and pay two thousand dollars to some guy who made her feel like crap and said you're gonna you're gonna regret this and blah 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 blah, but he still aborted the baby that she was carrying um and she also said she never spent five minutes regretting the decision to do that um and i don't regret the decisions that i made not to
2: have the kids that i didn't have and uh (sighs) and i also, don't regret my decision. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's not, no one wants to make, no one wants to be in that situation, but no. it's a right that we all, we need to have for yes, our, every, everyone's best interest, I believe.
0: And the and... only good thing that might come of this is if this does happen, it's going to piss off so many women in this country who are already on the edge of fury as it is, um, that I, I don't know. I think, I think the, uh, the ramifications will not be good for the conservatives. That's all I have to say. Mm. So in other more exciting news, um, Roger Stone got arrested.
1: Yeah, that was fun.
0: <laughs> that was definitely exciting. Good footage of that. Yeah, and I also, I appreciate that that the law enforcement personnel were not being paid when they did that. So
1: Yes, <laughs> they did it for free.
0: Well, I'm sure they got paid now. They're getting their back pay, but, you yeah. know.
2: Yeah. Um, Trevor Noah had, had a great bit oh, on that. What did he say? Well, I, I think I would just post it because I can't imitate <laughs> no. it. It's very funny, <laughs> but it was... Uh, yeah, it was it was it was interesting, and I don't know. Roger Stone is such a cartoon villain.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just it's just kind of startling, and and his his fanboyness of Nixon is. Um, I mean, if you want someone to think you're innocent and will always tell the truth, <laughs> like having a Nixon tattoo on your back is really not.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was real. Yes, yeah. it's real.
2: Oh, I real
0: photoshop
2: no (laughs) that is the real deal
0: (laughs) i could have i thought i saw the pay i saw the picture of something saying you know they can look at it some ass lying asshole no matter which way he's facing but i thought that was a joke i thought there was somebody photoshopped that onto his back yeah no he was.
2: (laughs) he's not he wasn't like really big in the during the watergate times but he was about I think sixteen or twenty or something. He was maybe twenty years old or something, and he had some role in the Nixon administration. I think the um, the Nixon archives like said he didn't play a a big role, but he was there, and he wow. was a real fan, and remains a, a huge fan.
0: Well, that explains why he's working with Trump, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, so. Oh my God! That's yeah, hilarious. and the the fact that so many of Trump's great ideas have come from Roger Stone, too. Mm. Uh, no, the, the idea of the wall. Oh, Roger Stone. great, great! Oh, that was
2: like his talking point that he thought yeah. would, would sort of galvanize people, oh right? God. Yeah. So it's you know it's going to be interesting. This 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 uh, indictment wasn't unexpected at all. Um, some of the it's just interesting to hear some of the details of it. Um, but about his he, threat to Randy, I think it was Randy Credico who he threatened his dog. Take his dog. <laughs> if he talked up. You know, if he talked. Up. I just,
0: I just, re- I just read. Uh, he was saying that that there was more force used uh, to arrest him than uh, than that they, they it took to take down Osama bin Laden or some shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a little, that's, that's a little over. Hyperbolic. Hyperbolic, yes. yes, exactly. Hyperbolic. And one of the things that I found interesting about it was that I really think he's making a very loud public statement to get to Trump to say, like, please pardon me or something like that. Because his statement, when he, when he came out um, after his arrest and he did the victory sign, the Nixon victory sign, um, he said... There is no circumstance whatsoever under which I will bear false witness, witness against the president, nor will I make up lies to ease the pressure on myself.
1: Oh, so, yeah, that's pretty obvious. To
2: that, me, that's
1: like a please pardon me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, if you um, watch Saturday Night Live, uh, Steve Martin played him and said oh, exactly that. that.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: I missed um, it this week. It's on my uh, TiVo. There's just sometimes I'm not in the mood. Yeah. But,
1: we're getting old. We
0: can't stay up that late. I watch it the next day or yeah. someone. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you are listening to this podcast on Wednesday, the day this airs, uh, you've got two more days to go see Black Panther for free at a, at, at one of 250 AMC theaters. Uh, they are running it the first, the whole first week of February for free. Um, I think it's a Oscar promotion thing. Cause uh, it's been nominated for best picture? Is that true? I kind of remember yes, hearing that. I, I believe so.
1: But yeah, you know what? Like, this is kind of cool cuz I was when you were first saying this, I was saying, uh, but it's play it was playing on Netflix. So you could see it free there, but to go to the movie theater and see this particular movie on a big screen is a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah.
2: and the crowd is great. I mean, when I saw it not not like the first week it it was out, but Maybe the second week. And it was a it's a good camaraderie kind of thing. It's good to see it with people.
0: It's yeah. And it's also uh, you know, Netflix isn't free, just FYI. <laughs> so um yeah, so and I, I think this is also the first genre movie to get a, a Best Picture nomination. Oh yeah Is that
1: true? That sounds like uh, I it know might
0: it's be superhero, but I don't know if it's the first science fiction.
1: Did Wonder Woman get any? I know.
0: I should should know this, but I don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't Wonder Woman get any nominations? No, I don't think for Best Picture. Um, Best Director?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Please, if you like our podcast... And then I'd love it, and we'd all love it, if you'd go to iTunes or wherever you get it and give us a review. It'll help us a lot. And check us out on Facebook, too, and leave comments. We are always interested in hearing from our listeners.
2: So I am here with Don Fortune, who is a UU minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the South Jersey Shore, is that right? That is correct. And I um, I know some things about you, but if you want to give me your elevator speech of basically who you are, how you got here, some <laughs> <laughs> few things, that's a big question, right? Right, yes. Yeah.
3: So <laughs> who are you and how you got here? And we have 20 minutes, go. Um Yeah, I am a Unitarian Universalist minister. Um, I serve a little church in Galloway, and um, with 111 members. Um, How did I get? I I don't know. The search process for ministers is a cross between Match.com and the NFL draft. (laughs) Well, you're from Massachusetts. I was yeah, originally in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Maine. went to public university, bounced around, did a bunch of different things, ended up in seminary. I went to seminary for one year in Bangor, Maine, and then transferred down to Andover Newton, which was at that point in Newton, Massachusetts, um, because I wanted to get a more diverse education that I could get in Maine. Mm -hmm. So just be around more diverse ideas and thoughts and people and opinions, and so Boston provided that. Very nicely. In a Massachusetts level of diversity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All things being relative. Being, being relative. <laughs> yes, yes, being relative, yes. Wow. So yeah, and then um please don't mind the mice the, the studio mice here. We have <laughs> a small dog who feels it is her obligation to chew on the cat. <laughs> um So, but after I graduated from there, I went and I spent a year in the Bay Area of San Francisco doing an internship, and that was really awesome. And then I spent two years in St. Louis, um, beginning on the one year anniversary of Michael Brown's murder. Wow. Um, And after that, I came here. So, here I am.
2: Awesome. And I'm very glad you're here, by the way. I think, yeah, (laughs) very good. I heard you speak one time Okay. Yep. At, uh, at the church, and that was really a great thing. And we've spent some time just hanging, hanging out, mm-hmm. Sh- aside from that. Chasing imaginary cartoon critters.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I want to find out about is that you spoke at the Women's March yesterday mm-hmm. um, in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. and um, you told me that you felt as if you were the one bringing the diversity to that event in a sort of ironic way. I'd like to hear a little bit about what that was like. And uh, Well, first yeah. it
3: was really awesome. Um, the entire planning committee for the Atlantic City Women's March was made up of women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, after the first two years of women's marches in America where diversity was sort of a, oh yeah, we should do that sort of thing um yeah who has a who has a person of color friend that we can invite right um, and so to see that Atlantic City had done intentionally run by women of color it was it was pretty remarkable um i wasn 't able to stay for the whole rally because I had a, a church function that evening but um but I believe there was um, a couple other people who were um who were white-identified who spoke, but they were, you know, politicians who were, like, the council person from this or the state legislator from that or something like that. So um, what I brought was um, I did the uh, opening prayer. Hmm. Um, and um, I, as a Unitarian Universalist, um, you know, my my our preaching style is significantly different than, than is typical for most black churches. And so um, it was a little different for me to be up there with my own tradition being fairly staid, um, intellectual, academic uh, preaching style, um, which is expected in my tradition, and having to speak about the holy to a room that was overwhelmingly people of color. Mm. Um,
2: How do you feel you were received, what was it like?
3: I will will preach to a black church any day of the week. (laughs) I love, I think I was received pretty well. I love a talk back church. You know, the call and response is just a wonderful, energetic feedback loop. Um, And so, I was mindful to, you know, as a Unitarian Universalist, we do this. We talk about the divine in all of its forms, which for some people means Jesus, and for some people means Allah, and for some people means Buddhism, and for some people it means science, or reason, or nature, or the pagan gods. So, I had to sort of start with that anyway. Um, Quinn would like to be interviewed. Uh, <laughs> so I had to start with the next show, Quinn. Uh, I had to start with that because I had, knew I had a diverse group there. I knew that there were um, I knew that there were I knew there were, there were a number of people there who were Muslim. Um, I knew there were a number of people there who were Jewish, I knew that there were a number of people there who um, were Christian, and I knew that there were a number of people there who were atheist or humanist. So, I did my normal, you know, the God of many names and beyond names, that kind of thing. Um, And it was interesting because the the young women who um, came with a a group from their mosque, thanked me after the prayer because it was, I mean, I, I imagine they're accustomed to going to things and hearing a lot of ministers talk about Jesus, mm-hmm. which like, they're like, well, that's lovely, but he's not our guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke in a, in a way that was able to include them, which was kind of cool.
2: That's cool. What, so. what was the message you really hoped to convey?
3: Um, it was twofold. There was, because um, the, the, the theme of the march was to honor um, Fannie Mae, um, I'm sorry, Fannie Hamer. Um, did I get that right? Fannie, Fannie Lou Hamer, mm-hmm. right, Lou. I knew there was a third syllable I was missing. Um, and so, because 55 years ago, Fannie Lou Hamer um, at the Democratic Convention, at that building in Atlantic City She came with an integrated delegation um, from Mississippi, I believe, and asked to be seated at the convention. Mm. And in the 1960s, there were no people of color from the South. And certainly, the, the the Southern Democrats at that time they were still mad at, at Lincoln. You mm-hmm. know, um, it was an all white, all boys party, um, and so the theme of the of the march was to honor her and honor that memory, and to talk about women's issues today. Um, and so we talked about. I talked about the history, and then I talked about how. Um, the role of, of the women's march is to speak truth to power to build alliances and and cooperation um, between organizations and to um, I just lost my train of thought train derailed um, yeah to, to talk about how we're in this together we're in this together, and that our privilege and our um, our our exclusion, our marginalization, are all inter are all intersected and multi layered. Um, you know, each of us has a variety of things that give us privilege or that give us uh, that lock us out of some places. You know, mm-hmm. I'm white, which gives me a ton of privilege. I'm trans, which means it's a nightmare for me to try uh, to find a bathroom in a movie theater. Mm. Um, I'm currently able bodied, but I can see a time when I won't be. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen, which affords me a bunch of privileges. Um, I speak English, which affords me a bunch of privileges. And I'm queer, which causes me some some trouble in different circles. And, and everybody in that room has places where they're marginalized and places where they have um, privilege. And once we can get past sort of the oppression Olympics um, and realize that that sort of infighting is a tool of the white supremacist patriarchy. Um, then, then we can organize and get some real good stuff done. Mm-hmm. And so, that was my message.
2: That's really cool. One of the things that I think about a lot is that it's it's okay that I think once you are talking with people that have similar ideas, essentially, Mm -hmm. like our differences are strengths, you know, and some of us work better within the system, some of us work better from outside of it. And Mm -hmm. those sorts of things, you know, just to create a movement. And I'm hoping that we continue to understand each other better Mm -hmm. and to to, enter into that. So one of the things I really wanted to to know is, um, I know that you're very dedicated to Speaking truth to power, you know, and when it needs to be said, and that's a lot lately.
3: (laughs) I don't know if it's a dedication or just I can't keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Okay. But, whichever it is, it's a living. Yeah. (laughs) So, a
2: lot of people, I think, um, think that um, from the pulpit or that sort of a position, your job is to be comforting. So what what do you think about that, and how does that work
3: for you? H.L. Mencken, who had his problems, um, was a journalist who said that the jur- that the job of the free press is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Hmm. Um, there are days I take more joy in afflicting the comfortable than maybe I would be pastoral. But um, but every single Every single religion that I've encountered has some message of kindness, some message of mercy, some message of protecting the powerless. Um, And that's sort of what it all boils down to. you know, Cornel West said, "Justice is what love looks like in action." And in a, in the United States, we our culture is largely steeped in Judeo Christian tradition, um, which is the you know the uh, the God and faith of Moses and the the story and ministry of Jesus's life, Jesus of Nazareth,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and um, people forget sometimes that that um, that Jesus made people uncomfortable um, and he made comfortable people uncomfortable he didn't just make sinners uncomfortable in fact he comforted them and so um, it's not difficult for me to um, see my role as as um someone with a, a position of authority, of religious and moral authority, to challenge immoral behavior by people in power and to lift up um the voice and the reality of the people who don't have power. Um and for some people that's very comforting. Yes. I can o- <laughs> see that. <laughs> and for other people it's 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 something else. mm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you're good with just talking about,
2: and, and when you come up with what you're going to talk about, you have to do this every week, almost mm-hmm. with like a week off a month or something, like right? That, yeah. Right? So is it topical? Is it like what's really in
3: the news that spurs you on, or just how you know? Um, you apply yeah. That? Well, um, we have a loose sort of liturgical calendar. Mm. You know, we have seasons. We mark. We mark the the equinox and the solstice. Um, we mark a lot of secular holidays Mm. Um, instead of Columbus Day we'll generally talk about indigenous peoples and colonialism, Um, uh, we'll talk about seasonal things at Christmas time I do talk about baby Jesus, Um, at Easter I do talk about death and resurrection, Mm. Um, both of those times some people say oh it's so wonderful to hear that and other people say we're a Unitarian church we don't need to hear that (laughs) right (laughs) Um, so there are always those themes you know like seasonal themes Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know especially in the last two years there's been no shortage of you know political chaos that affects people's lives yeah that that needs to be spoken to one of the jobs of a minister is to help people make sense of their world and I can't explain why some stuff is happening but what I can tell people is that they're not alone Hmm. in this struggle they're not alone in this feeling they're not alone feeling like you know where are we going, and why are we in this handbasket? You know, um, and that together we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that make a difference is just lighting up our little corner in New Jersey. You know, sometimes it's just us having a Black Lives Matter sign out by the by the roadside. Yeah, you know, and how was and that I, received? Was that it was torn down. They it, they put it up, it got torn down. Oh, they put it up, it got vandalized. They replaced it, it got vandalized. They replaced it, it got vandalized. Wow. They took it down. They built something more permanent <laughs> and put it up. And it hasn't been vandalized since. On the other hand, we have a rainbow flag that keeps going missing. Mm. Um... One of the people at church put it up a couple of months ago, and uh, you know, it was one of those little cheap plastic brackets that you screw into your ports, right? And somebody stole the flag, and then we put up another one, and they stole the flag and broke the bracket. And I'm like, that was kind of shitty. So then we, then I welded up a bracket, because <laughs> I have a welder and I like to play with metal. So I welded up a bracket made out of, you know, a little bit of plate steel that i ha- had and a piece of electrical conduit. And I, you know, put it in there with some screws. and um, And <laughs> so I put it in there with screws. And within a week, somebody had not only taken the flag, but bent and broken off the metal of the conduit. They are determined, yep.
2: I. It, yep. it reminds me about um, when I was in college and we'd make flyers for the LGBT dance, mm-hmm. which I guess right. at the time was LG, and maybe just a little maybe B. Right, <laughs> we started. didn't
3: even talk about T back then, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, no. so it was, LGB.
2: Yep. Yeah, it was, it was uh, in process, but um, we would always make at least two and a half times the yep. flyers you thought you needed, because yep. they would all get torn yep. down. Yeah, I did that too. And you were it, thinking, yep. That I, you Just, know, I naively was feeling like, oh, we're maybe we're past that, but not necessarily. Not and necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on where you and, are. And, and
3: somebody said something really interesting me, to me the other day, which is, they keep taking this stuff down because they're threatened by it. hmm so, huh? They recognize it as a powerful thing, and they want to stop it it's changed it's
2: yeah openness this so you
3: know. so after they tore down the one with the metal conduit you know i talked to my board president i'm like i need some more money for pipe <laughs> 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 you know and she's just like we've got a minister that can weld stuff that's awesome go do what you want um and so i have now welded up a more significant bracket Um, out of you know inch and a third black iron steam pipe wow (laughs) so we'll see how that goes yes (laughs) so and we've also purchased um, over a hundred little like eight by ten flags on sticks Mm -hmm. um, that we're going to put in the ground nice around the big sign and I'm going to put a sign out there that says obviously somebody needs flags because you keep taking ours. So please help yourself, to the little ones, leave the big one alone, you know? That's clever. Right? I like it. <laughs> like, put, like, put them out there like you know, 50 or 60 at a time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It'd be a great visual driving down the road. Yeah. You have to stop to see the sign that says, you know, obviously somebody's taking these things. There's apparently a shortage in South Jersey, so here you go, have a flag. You know, please leave the big one alone. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. So, but it's cold this week. I don't know if I'm going to do it this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go out there and freeze my butt off mounting that thing. <laughs>
2: so, what are some of the things you've learned so far teaching and preaching here? and uh,
3: in, in South Jersey? In
2: South Jersey, or, you know, just your experience organizing with the Women's March, just over this, um, course, getting ready for that?
3: South Jersey. The pizza's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> having come from the midwest and if you've got midwest listeners i apologize if this offends you but the pizza in st louis was just god awful <laughs> so um so that that was one of the first things i'm like oh this place is awesome there's great pizza um i got here and and i'm still having to learn the political cycles in south jersey in new jersey um and there seems to be like regional or county committees and and sort of power structures um and there's like how that all functions, I'm not entirely sure. Um, one of my in the first month I was here, I got here in August of seventeen, and um. Like, my second week on the job, Charlottesville happened. Yeah. You know, where white supremacists, a white supremacist drove into a crowd of people and killed a woman. Um, and so my congregation responded, and we held a rally, and we had a couple hundred people show up. Um, And, yeah. you know, Senator Cory Booker sent somebody, and like, all the big shots were there. Um. And there was a woman running for uh, the office of, of uh, county freeholder, which is a new term to me. Where I'm from in Maine, they're county commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, named Ashley Bennett, and she was running because the guy she was running against had made a remark at the women about the women's march that spring. Mm-hmm. That January, he had posted to Facebook. Well, you know, it's good to see all these women at the march. Let's hope they're home in time to make supper. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. Right. And so she demanded an apology, and he doubled down and told her to go take a leap. You know, it's a joke. Get over it. And she's like, "I'm going to run for your seat," and she did, and she beat him. And so she was the head organizer of this thing of the of the women's march yesterday. Nice. Um and so but she was at the the Charlottesville rally that we had at my congregation and a little while later like that fall after the the there was an election local elections right council and stuff and I called her up and I'm like can I pick your brain cuz I don't understand this system here how like it is a full contact sport this <laughs> politics in New Jersey and, and there's a level of cronyism and seniority stuff. And you can be a good candidate, but the county structure, the county party structure determines who gets on the ballot. It's a very confusing thing to me. Yeah, and people here seem to understand it like it's like it's normal, you know. Like I can drive in Boston, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and other people think that's just chaos. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it, all, myself quite it, very much included. Yeah, I, I drove in Boston on my permit. Yeah. Yeah. Parallel parked the whole bit. <laughs> um, I can drive pretty much anywhere. Right. So. Um, so I still don't entirely understand it. it it's, it's really complex. Um, and I'm learning but um, and it was strange like I have a little house here in Egg Harbor City and doorbell rang one night this past fall and I go out and there's four or five people standing on my front step and the entire slate of democratic candidates for town council school board all those local offices the entire slate were canvassing as one well and four or five days later, the doorbell rang. There's another, another four or five people standing on my front yard. I'm like, you've got to be the Republicans. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> and they're like, well, how did you know? I'm like, as the Democrats were here last week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but that's how they do it. And that might be just this town. Yeah, I don't remember anyone. That's uh-huh. not happened where you gaggle on? of people showing up at yeah, my door. It's, <laughs> that's uh, and that's interesting. I mean, I don't know, because... Mm-hmm. I've never been in a town with like 4,000 people that had this level of infrastructure. Hmm. You know, they got a 14 member police department and um, there's just a lot of, I mean, I grew up in a town with 2,000 people. We had a constable, right? Who had a job, he had a little, like when pagers came out, that was high tech. They didn't have to call him at work, they could page him. (laughs) So, Yeah. It's just a little different.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's okay. So well, I look forward to hearing more about what you're learning and teaching
3: here. And um I don't know how much I teach. I mean sorry, you asked that question and I I just realized I didn't answer the second half of it. What have I learned about what what are my experiences with teaching? Um Teaching Unitarian Universalists anything can be a challenge. They are a group of exceedingly smart people, exceedingly well-educated people. Um, Some of the things that I talk about... Pay no attention to the studio noises. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Some of the things that I talk about are getting in touch with an emotional level embodied spiritual expression which is not something that a lot of folks are are familiar with Mm. you know what does your body feel like when you're experiencing joy Mm -hmm. right um Unitarian Universalism for a very long time has been largely a spiritual experience that happens from the neck up Mm -hmm. and um, I'm more a fan of, and I blame that. We can go into UU history if you want, but I blame that on Channing, William and William Ellery Channing, who was a hot mess. He was like the 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 Unitarian version of a of a flagellant. Um, mm-hmm. He grew up in the 1800s. He. Um was g- probably gay, mm-hmm. um, sought to purge his body of these impure urges through a life of self-imposed asceticism. He like graduated from college and was sort of he was sickly as a child. He was a neurotic as an adult he couldn't really get a job he ended up taking a job as a private tutor for a wealthy family and he lived in their garden shed where he slept without a blanket on the dirt ground in an effort to to rid his body of these impure desires and and that evolved into and all of that stuff formed into his understanding of unitarian Sort of, it, it sort of went into the humanism range. It's be the beginnings of our humanist heritage, when 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 religion was about uh, reason, and he was one of the first ones to say we have great brains, and anything we read in the scripture that cannot meet logic, then logic must prevail, hmm. which is great, mm-hmm. right? As any time we study mythology. You know, we can understand that logic and science, myths happen and myths include magic, but logic and science tell us something else. And I really think a lot of that was his way of trying to get away from his own body and put everything he was experiencing into his head. Mm -hmm. And I think that haunts us to this day.
2: I feel like Americans have that from a lot of different angles and that's the particular mm-hmm. one for you, which is interesting. Right, huh? yeah,
3: I mean, never forget that this was founded by of Puritans, mm-hmm. you know, who left England f- for Amsterdam and were surprised that Amsterdam was too liberal for them. Even in the sixteen hundred, and the 1400s, 15, 1600s, even in the 1600s, I thought, you know, they might have heard that Amsterdam was probably, you know, a little less uptight than London. (laughs) Right. But, um, you know, so they came back from Amsterdam to London, uh, to England, and then came to North America with the desire to create the shining city on a hill, as talked about in Scripture, that was pure and holy and chased and all of that stuff and very, very rigid, very, very strict, very, very restricted. And yet, that was flawed. The first capital offense tried and charged and executed in the colonies was for a man buggering a sheep. Oh, that was the first capital offense in the colonies that's a bit of history I did not know (laughs) yeah yeah so so this culture is based on a lot of sexual repression Mm. you know and and when something is repressed or squeezed tight it comes out in another direction yeah so church history it's fun (laughs) (laughs) it is and um wow that's
2: this discussion went in a whole different direction than I expected <laughs> but that's but, good but,
3: but, but I mean,
2: it's, that's, yeah
3: the direction all of my conversations somehow end up in <laughs> bizarre sex history and and religion and what the hell yeah right which is why we talk i think <laughs> it's it's a friendship based on more than pokemon
2: yeah <laughs> well i am i'm looking forward to talking to you a lot more and uh, thank you for sharing a little bit about the march and about your journey here and whatnot and we'll talk again
3: yes i look forward to it. all right all right
2: week we are going to talk about wait your turn politics, um, how some of us have been asked to stay behind, how some of us have forged ahead, what how that works in our political discussions and activism. So wait your turn politics next week on The Leftscape.
0: Hi, Wendy here with an exciting new Kickstarter project. My project is called Postcards Against Fascism and I'm raising money to produce a series of 12 politically-themed postcards suitable for mailing to your elected representatives in Washington, D.C. or your state house. Project backers will get to vote on the final designs to be produced, and there's a reward level where you can be the art director and have your idea produced as one of the cards in the set. There will be links to the Kickstarter on the Leftscape
2: social media.
0: Sign up soon before the early bird discounts are
2: all gone. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrene.com, and my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash robinreneefan, tweet at me at spiritrocksexy and follow me on Instagram at music I would love to hear from you.
0: So I was, uh, I attended the uh, marchers reunion in Union County at uh, the Cranford Community Center last Thursday, and it was, I was invited there by um, uh, the divine Miss J, that's her uh, online handle, and uh, she's a member of my local Indivisible group, and she's a, a very wonderful person who has a lot of energy, and and she's uh, she's a big supporter of, of some of my projects, and I really appreciate that. And um, so she invited me to come to this uh, this event that was held at the the Cranford Community Center, which is actually a very nice place next to the library. Um, I don't know that Rahway has uh, quite the public spaces that cranford has we also i don't think have the money that cranford has either but that's probably why Um, and there were a lot of uh it's like all the different activist groups from the local region had a presence there some of them had tables um act together new jersey was there and uh our indivisible group was there westfield 2020 was there Uh, and there were, I think some other, oh yeah, there was a gun control lobby, like moms against gun violence or something like that. They were there and there was, you know, like a potluck and, and some other stuff going on. And, and I, I have some horrible pictures that I took with my cell phone, uh, that, that I can, uh share on our webpage if you're interested. Uh, they did a they did a cute little collage with pictures from like the Women's March from the year before and stuff like that.
2: Horrible pictures just
0: sound uh, <laughs> really <laughs> what we want. Oh yeah, <laughs> we want to see horrible pictures. <laughs> I keep trying to take decent pictures and they come out terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know, I, think I need a new phone, uh, something. But it was really nice to to see the the different people from all the different groups um and and talking to a bunch of people i met a guy who declined to be interviewed on our podcast by the way (laughs) but uh who is uh, he he worked on on murphy's campaign for for governor he's he's a he's a campaign wonk he's a he works he does campaign stuff um and, and like, I don't know whose campaign he was running in the last election, but I know he's working on, on a bunch of different things and he wants to stay behind the scenes. Cause I asked him when I told me what he did, I said, Hey, do you want to be uh, interviewed on our podcast? He goes, no. So, okay. Um, I handed out a lot of cards. Uh, so hopefully, uh, some of you guys who were there at the thing are listening to me right now. And, uh, I was also promoting my Kickstarter, which, uh, is, is in its final week. Uh, Postcards against fascism, and what uh, you may not know, if you haven't already supported the uh, the project, is I have a couple of stretch goals, and I'm hoping that by the time this airs, we have announced stretch stretch goals, which means we're closer to getting to the goal. Uh, or my initial goal of $1,500. Uh, the first stretch goal, which kicks in at $2,000, is what I'm calling the backers dozen which means I make a 13th card. Uh, And I don't know that I mentioned, I might have in the ad, that this project is to make a set of a dozen cards uh, that you can use to mail your representatives like monthly or however frequently you want. But I did 12 different cards, so um, it would be like a monthly kind of thing. Uh, So that one stretch goal is the backer's dozen. And the second stretch goal, which I believe will kick in at $2,000, is going to be adding additional, um, activist packs to the reward levels. Um, that's, that's for activist groups like Indivisibles all across the country to get a hundred post 144 postcards that they can use for, uh, whatever purposes they need. And that was, uh, the evening there. I thought it was a, a really nice thing. And it was a, a nice way to, to, to see people that we've, been working with for the last two years, and to meet new people. And if your if your local activist groups are having get-togethers or events, I encourage you all to go. Uh, it's it's a great way to meet other progressives. It's a great way to um, to actually do things that help uh, get the country back on its uh, progressive path towards, you know, where everybody who lives here has, you know, equal opportunities and, and the ability to pursue, you know, life, liberty, and happiness.
2: Mm-hmm. So. It's interesting, you know, because I tend to not know people exactly where I live so much. I know a lot of people in other places where I closer to where I used to live and people around the country and things like that. But I don't spend a lot of time in my particular town necessarily. And when I've gone to activist events that I've seen um, by Indivisible and other people locally, it's kind of, it's pretty exciting because you get to meet people who are close by who are like-minded and want to do work together, you know? Yeah. So that is, that's a really um, fortifying thing that I've done, you know, so yeah. it's, it's helpful.
0: This is actually the second uh, celebratory thing I went to, um, there was one, uh, like a couple of weeks ago for my local Indivisible group. And it was hosted at, at, uh, somebody's house who was literally a la- around the block from where I used to live. So <laughs> and she's been there. Like we, we definitely overlapped in our time in that neighborhood. And I, I never met her before. So, and, and it's funny because I mean, I mean, I meet, <clears throat> I've met actual neighbor neighbors during doing this kind of work and um and i think it it helps solidify it helps solidify your local neighborhood too. I mean, the only other time i met the people who actually live on the street that i live on is when we didn't have power during hurricane sandy. And uh, you know, then we were kind of, you know, we'd all be outside cuz there's nothing to do. <laughs> we would say, "Hey, how are you doing?" and it's like, you know, one of us and i had a generator and i ran a, you know, power for people so they could charge their phones and and I got to know the neighbors and that was a good thing. I mean, especially, um, so that, yeah, like knowing who your neighbors are is, is never a bad thing. Um, cause it strengthens the local community. And then it, it just, it, and then it, it grows from there. It's a way to, it's a seed. So
1: you're reminding me too, of knowing your neighbors is good when everybody has a ring doorbell thing that with the camera in it so that they can warn each other about, People stealing things off porches. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Could you, exp- <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Do you not know what a ring doorbell thing is?
2: No, I didn't know what that, oh, it's, I it's was a, confused. <laughs>
0: that's okay. Uh, it's ring is a. Um, a brand name. Yeah. It's a brand. It's a, it's a camera that's also a doorbell and there's an app that you can look at it with your phone to see who's at the door. And oh. Also, it also and, automatically records any... It's got a motion sensor, so it turns
1: on, so if somebody's coming up to your porch to steal your crap, it picks it up. Okay. Sometimes. And it has a certain aspect, too, that it warns your neighbors that somebody's in the neighborhood going up to...
0: Oh, I didn't know record. it had the tattletale feature. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, oh, now people, people are coming together through... Uh, warning Roof, off, paranoia about yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> sort of like a passive neighborhood
2: watch thing.
0: Right,
2: it's yeah. funny. But anyway, yeah, I I am really uh, rooting for your project, Wendy. I think it's going to be successful, and um, and I would like to share more of what we do in terms of our activist lives. Like, I would like to start taking more photos at like the polyamory meetups that I host and things like that if people want to be seen and most people you know are totally open and things like that um and also some of the more um directly political things that we all do i think it would be good to start sharing more of that on facebook and instagram and that sort of thing just sort of our our travels yeah yeah so everyone will
0: know who the weird blue-haired lady is
1: (laughs) you're looking a little purple
0: today that's the lighting Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a, I guess it's on the the purple side of blue, but it's a blue. Uh, okay, Yeah. Well, can we put up pictures of the cards on our website? When not yet? Uh, when? No. Well, some of them. Um, most of them, I'm kind of reserving for backers only posts, and uh, wow. I'm designing
1: them now, so they're not done yet. So <laughs> okay, so then people just have to find your. Your uh, GoFundMe thing—it's a
0: Kickstarter. A Kickstarter, sorry. As a Kickstarter, there are links everywhere. I'm not going to say the URL um, over the air because it's a bunch of letters. uh, Okay. But it's on Kickstarter. It's called Postcards Against Fascism, Uh, and I think if you Google that, you might find it. Um, It's also—it's also on our Facebook page. On I'm going to say if you follow us, we'll be
2: tweeting it and. Post again. On our Twitter, on our Instagram,
0: yep. it's uh, it's everywhere. Hopefully, next week on the Leftscape, we uh, are going to be talking about what the hell was I saying about it? Oh, okay. Intersectional feminism. Take two. Take two. Yeah, it's intersectional feminism. Yes. <laughs> Through the lens of Shira.
2: Uh, <laughs> sounds so pretentious. I know. I love That's it. That's why you have to say it. I know.
0: Next week on the Leftscape, the three of us will discuss. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us will. I'm keeping this <laughs> take. <saying>, all right. <laughs> let's try it again. You've been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday.